Welcome to Raz Talk, the podcast on recirculating aquaculture systems and sustainable food production. Brought to you by Raz Tech, the premier publication for Raz professionals. This podcast is sponsored by Innovacy. Innovacy, aquatic solutions built for life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Raz Talk. I'm Katerina Muya, Raz Talk co-host and editor of Raz Tech and Hatchery International magazines. I'm joined today by my co-host, Brian Vinci, director of the Conservation Fund Freshwater Institute. Thanks, Kat. So you know that we technically work in the seafood industry, right? Yeah. Do you, do you eat seafood? You know what, Brian? <laughs> Could you imagine if I didn't like or eat seafood, and I'm the editor of two fish farming magazines, It'd be a little bit crazy, but I, I do in fact love seafood. I've eaten it, you know, all my life. And I actually typically choose it over any other type of protein, especially if salmon is on the table. How about you? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, we try and get at least one to two servings of uh, salmon and uh, cod in a week. We, those are the ones my wife and I most enjoy. Um, but in the United States, you know, there are still many people that aren't incorporating seafood into their diets and who don't realize the health benefits mm -hmm. that come from eating seafood weekly. And to raise awareness of the health and nutritional benefits of seafood and to address the current public health crisis in the US, the Food Nutrition Partnership, or SNP for short, has developed educational programs to inspire Americans to incorporate more seafood and omega-3s into their diets, which could potentially improve their overall health. A big part of their mission is to let Americans know the trusted sources to acquire seafood, which includes fish farms. For many who are not directly involved in the recirculating aquaculture system sector of the aquaculture industry, or even the aquaculture industry, trusting farm seafood can be difficult. Having organizations such as the Seafood Nutrition Partnership to advocate for what is being done in the aquaculture industry is crucial. Here to discuss the importance of incorporating seafood into a healthy diet, finding trusted farm sources for seafood, and how RAS can become a game changer in these endeavors is Linda Cornish, president of the Seafood Nutrition Partnership. As the president of the SNP, Linda is a mission-driven executive who is working on addressing America's public health crisis by empowering healthier food consumption. She was instrumental in the formation of the Seafood Nutrition Partnership and led the launch of a public health campaign in October of 2015 during National Seafood Month to help Americans find a path to wellness through healthy eating and seafood nutrition. Linda has presented to many groups to raise awareness and urgency about the need for the general public to eat more seafood, including Aquaculture America, Aquarium of the Pacific, Bay of Fundy Seafood Forum, Boston Museum of Science, Canadian Aquaculture Industry Alliance, Clinton Global Initiative, Global Aquaculture Alliance Goal Conference, Groundfish Forum, NFI Global Seafood Marketing Conference, Seafood Expo North America, Sustainable Seafood Week NYC, World F Seafood Congress, and Women of Seafood. She has also held leadership and management positions with Arthur Anderson, Hitachi Business Consulting, Haraz Entertainment, Greater Memphis Chamber of Commerce, and Bill of Rights Institute. She is co-founder and past chairman for the Memphis Farmers Market and has served on the Board of Greening Greater Memphis and most recently served on the World Economic Forum Friends of Ocean Actions Blue Food and Partnership Sustainable Aquaculture 2020 Working Group. Linda is a graduate of the University of California at Riverside with a bachelor's degree in business administration and holds a master of business administration degree from the University of California at Los Angeles. Linda, 
thank you so much for joining us today. With all the events that you're involved with and all the initiatives, I'm so glad you were able to, you know, take the time and, and be with us today to discuss such an important topic. Um, so to give us a bit of a deeper look into the SNP and as the president of the organization, how did the SNP come to be and why is its mission so important for the seafood and aquaculture industries, as well as for the United States and Americans? Well, Kat, Brian, thank you so much for having me today. Um, you know, what we eat matters to our health and our planet's health, and seafood is a big part of that equation. I formed Seafood Nutrition Partnership because the science on the nutritional benefits of eating seafood is very well researched, but this great knowledge was not reaching consumers. Did you know that since the 1970s, there have been over 40,000 studies on the benefits for seafood nutrition and omega-3s, in particular, Seafood is so healthy for our heart and our brain and overall wellness. You know, we have a scientific nutrition advisory council that supports all of our evidence-based messaging and moms who eat seafood have babies that have higher IQ on average of seven points more than moms who did not eat seafood during pregnancy. And people who eat seafood, you know, as part of a well-balanced diet can reduce your risk of heart disease by 30 to 50%. And so this information is just so uh, important for Americans because we are facing a public health crisis in America and, and, and really globally, about um, two thirds of our population in the US are overweight or obese and really preventable diseases such as heart disease, um, diabetes, through lifestyle and diet changes are really the number one cause of death uh, in the U.S. prior to COVID-19. So that, that has changed since uh, COVID. Um, and so, you know, this is so important to get out to the American public. And I, I also have a personal connection to this gap in knowledge as my family has a history of heart disease. And I know that seafood nutrition is one way for us to manage this health risk. So this is so vital and it's very important for seafood and the aquaculture industry to understand that seafood is considered the superfood and has a healthy halo that consumers are seeking now during this time, uh, you know, when the pandemic started last year. Why? Because everyone is now looking for the immune boosting properties that they can get from food so that they can strengthen themselves against the potential um, you know, viral infections. And seafood has just so many properties such as omega-3s, vitamin D, selenium, and uh, so on. And so we really need to understand what consumer is looking for and how seafood can fill what they're looking for today. It kind of baffles me in a way, just because like you are going ahead and you're educating all these people um, with the SNP and knowing that seafood can help manage these health conditions. I'm very curious to, to know why you think people still aren't incorporating seafood into their diet, kind of being aware of this already. You know, I, I think um, consumers have started to add more seafood to their diets. So when we formed in 2013, Per capita seafood consumption was about 14.3 pounds per person. And that is now moved to 19 pounds per person. So consumption has increased. And that data is as of 2019 from NOAA Fisheries. 
What we have seen in current data, such as from the FMI Power of Seafood study that was also analyzing the data from 2020, which is the year when the pandemic started, one in three Americans have actually added more seafood to their diets because they have learned that they can cook seafood at home and they miss seafood after Mexican food. And so it was the second food that they missed the most when restaurants closed. And so with more time at home and the desire to cook seafood, they actually started cooking more. I think traditionally, the reason why people didn't eat seafood was it was thought that it was only available if you were living along the coastal cities. And in our work, when we had conducted some of our public health campaigns in the South and Midwest, a lot of people said, well, I did not realize we could access seafood that was, was of good quality here you know, in middle of America. And so there was just a gap in knowledge that fresh and great quality seafood were available to them. And so it's really a matter of educating and building awareness that good seafood, sustainable seafood can be available wherever you live in the country. And it's up to all of us to work together to get that message out. Let's talk a little bit about those numbers you're mentioning going from 14 pounds to 19 pounds. But do you know what percentage of Americans uh, regularly incorporate seafood into their diets? And, and do you know at all what the breakdown of that is between seafood, uh, wild caught or farm sources? So based on just longer term data from the CDC and um, Haynes report, it's a you know, health nutrition survey that the CDC conducts every two years. Um, about 20% of Americans eat seafood twice a week or more. And so we have 80% of Americans that are not eating seafood frequently. The survey doesn't go into the types of seafood, but based on the supply availability, you know, we, we estimate that uh, people are eating about probably roughly 50-50% wild capture fisheries seafood source, and also about half, you know, is farmed. When you look at the top 10 seafood that is reported by NOAA and also National Fisheries Institute, you'll see that the top 10 seafood, a lot of it's farm seafood, depending on which data you're looking at, farm seafood consumption continues to go up because, you know, there's only uh, uh, so much wild fish available now. So farm fish continues to grow in terms of the percentage of consumption uh, by Americans. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, the farmed fraction is is growing because, you know, that's uh, hopefully partly supplied by the recirculating aquaculture system industry. But let's talk a little bit about that 80% of Americans that aren't eating seafood as regularly as uh, we might hope. So in order to increase that number, how is SMP working to educate Americans on the health benefits of seafood and what resources are available to Americans, either things that, that you make uh, available or just out there in general? Yeah, there, there definitely is a need for more education outreach with Americans. And so at Seafood Nutrition Partnership, our website is seafoodnutrition.org. We have been developing resources, recipes, videos to help Americans understand how easy it is to incorporate seafood into their diets, especially during the start of the pandemic, we actually launched a campaign called Eat Seafood America. And this is a way for Americans to understand what's available to them in terms of seafood that's good for their health, uh, seafood that's good for their heart health, diabetes, you know, by health issues, 
and also for Americans to know how to buy seafood on a budget. You know, we have resources that are developed to target really almost any questions that they may have about how to add seafood more to their diets. Um, you can see more also for the campaign at eatseafoodamerica.com. And I think for us to help Americans get more into this category, we all have to work together. The seafood industry is very large and fragmented. And so our hope is that the Eat Seafood America campaign can be an umbrella campaign that can encourage everyone that's promoting seafood to work together. Think of Eat Seafood America as a way to grow the category, move the 80% of Americans into the seafood section of the retail supermarkets or the menu section at restaurants. And once you get there, we can help them understand in a deeper way the various types of seafood that's available all across America from wild capture to aquaculture. But yeah, the goal of Eat Seafood America is really to move the 80% of Americans into the seafood category. You know, anybody who wants to listen and everybody should be listening, but there's a lot of resources available to educate, you know, Americans, which is great. Um, and so Linda, I'm, I'm very curious to know, aside from um, educating Americans on, you know, the, the benefits of seafood and how it can change their lifestyles for the better, what are some other specific goals that the SMP are working toward currently, whether it be for the aquaculture industry or for the seafood industry or, you know, anything, anything else you guys are working toward? Yes, um, definitely. So in addition to the Eat Seafood America campaign, our scientific council continues to work on strengthening the seafood nutrition science and supporting the work of the USDA dietary guidelines, which comes out every five years. And so we were very instrumental in, in um, providing more scientific evidence on the benefits of eating seafood to the dietary guidelines advisory committee and um, also have been working with the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, as they also have a role in providing seafood recommendations to the American public. And so that's um, more of the behind the scenes work that our Science Council does. The other uh, project that we're working on is we are incubating the National Seafood Council. And so due to the success of the Eat Seafood America campaign, it's being seen as a potential to serve as a platform for a national seafood campaign. The last time there was a national seafood campaign in the US was 30 years ago. And since then, there have been many attempts to try and form a national seafood council and national seafood campaign. What I mean by this is, you know, for the other food groups, you've got the beef council, the pork council, avocados, a lot of the other food groups have marketing campaigns to reach consumers in a very big way so they understand how to incorporate that particular food into their diets. And as an example, milk has a budget of about $330 million a year, pork $70 million a year to market to consumers, and seafood does not have that. So we are incubating the National Seafood Council to request funding from Congress to fund a national seafood campaign. That has been in the initial phases where we have um, asked industry to come and join our National Seafood Council task force, come together, develop common messaging, and then um, help bring that message to Congress to share with them that there is a desire to unify in our messaging to communicate and educate consumers how beneficial 
they should really be, um, you know, eating seafood and more into their diets. Linda, that's really interesting that you're incubating that program to, um, you know, to expand uh, seafood consumption in, in the U.S. It, it reminds me of some of uh, the other programs and the ones that you mentioned, uh, the Got Milk or the Milk Campaign and, and um, uh, Beef, It's What's for Dinner. I think that would be uh, another similar type of uh, effort along the lines of, of what you're doing. Uh, we've heard from some uh, folks in the seafood wholesale retail chain that those programs are interesting, but the seafood, uh, you know, wild caught, aquaculture, it's so fragmented that uh, those kind of programs are hard to implement. Are you seeing that at all? Well, Brian, we've analyzed the campaigns from these other food groups, and those programs are part of the um, USDA Agricultural Marketing Services. And so we've analyzed that those programs and also the last National Seafood Council program from 30 years ago to understand the concerns that there may be about these campaigns. And so what our design for the National Seafood Council is to first secure funding from uh, foundations and government to expand the Eat Seafood America campaign and demonstrate to industry that marketing works and that marketing will impact every stakeholder along the supply chain. And what we mean by that is we are designing the national seafood campaign to have messaging that where we have agreement at the highest point and at the highest level, which is seafood is healthy for all of us to eat. And so we are positioning the national seafood campaign messaging with a public health angle. And so that will serve as the umbrella campaign that will amplify all of the other seafood marketing campaigns that currently exist. And so that's the first part is to secure private and public funding to expand the Eat Seafood America campaign. The second part is to request for Congress to set aside funding for a national seafood campaign for at least five years, and we're requesting $25 million per year for five years. And so that will allow us to lift up and set up a campaign, show industry that it works. And also a lot of the industry have suffered from the effects of COVID-19 economically. And so we would like to use this time to help industry recover and demonstrate that a national seafood campaign will work. And at that point, we invite the industry and the task force to design a innovative fun funding model to keep the campaign going. So it doesn't have to follow a checkoff program as you were mentioning. We can, we're designing other alternative funding mechanisms to lift up a national seafood campaign, hopefully over a 10 year period. I think um, a national seafood campaign is a great idea. And um, if there's anything that, that we can do on our side to uh, help you along that effort, please let us know. You know, obviously with the Seafood Nutrition Partnership, trying to increase seafood consumption, that's great. But things like the Eat Seafood campaign that you mentioned, I think strike a chord uh, culturally because, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s, 70s and 80s, and I still remember beef. It's what's for dinner. In fact, it, it was my first exposure to uh, the music of Aaron Copeland, who I love now. But that's where it started from, because that was the, the theme music for those commercials. So um, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, 
it can have some profound uh, effects on uh, eating habits in America. And hopefully we can, we can get that campaign off the ground and, um, and going as you've described. I do want to drill down into uh, the recirculating aquaculture segment. And you've mentioned a few times the effects of COVID and, and how that has changed some of the seafood uh, consumption habits in America. What we've seen from some of the farmers and stakeholders uh, in the RAS sector is that they quickly had to pivot to uh, online marketing and online sales of their product because, you know, their white tablecloth restaurant market had uh, closed up quite quickly. And they found that going online uh, to serve consumers in their home, delivering, you know, their fresh product uh, to consumers directly at their home was a, a really a great way to expand the market and, of course, continue to, to stay in business and selling fish throughout COVID. So when we talk about RAS, I'm wondering what uh, Seafood Nutrition Partnership thinks about that and how the RAS sector might help you achieve uh, some of your goals. You know, as we're promoting Americans to eat sustainable seafood, both from responsible fisheries and responsible aquaculture, we definitely need to include RAS into the equation. As we're trying to look at future food security, there's gonna be estimated nine to 10 billion people um, by 2050. And so for us to have enough seafood to feed everyone that wants to eat seafood, we're gonna to have to grow more fish um, to really serve that need. And so RAS definitely is part of the equation, uh, you know, it's part of the overall growth of aquaculture. And right now in the US, you know, I mentioned earlier that the top 10 seafood, most of it is farmed and probably imported because um, in the US, only about 3% of um, our seafood that we eat is from aquaculture grown in the US. And so there needs to be a greater emphasis in growing the aquaculture initiatives here based in the US. So RAS definitely has an important part in providing the supply that will be needed to help consumers as they get into the seafood category and, and demand more seafood. So Linda, I'm also just a little bit curious because farmed fish, it's quote unquote, not naturally grown. And um, for people who might not trust seafood already initially, um, what is the reaction um, of people who, who kind of find out that, you know, you are uh, promoting farm seafood? Is it typically negative, positive? I'm curious. You know, Kat, it's um, always a really great conversation to have when people are curious about farm seafood. I think that reaction, a hesitation really comes from industry itself. And what I mean by that is when I speak with um, consumers and, and registered dietitians, they come at it, at it more from a curiosity, like what is farm seafood? They really have a natural you know, sense of wonder about it. And how I address that is, you know, usually like over lunch, someone will ask me, are you okay with farm seafood? I'll look at what they're eating. I said, you know, everything on your plate from that salad to the potatoes, to the corn, you know, that is all farmed. And so, you know, farming has been, farming fish has been done for gosh, thousands of years and, and um, farm seafood in terms of being commercially done has really taken off in the last 30 years. And there are best practices that are put in place to make sure that we grow aquaculture in a very responsible way. 
And when I mentioned that most of the food that we eat today is farmed, it really snaps them into reality that, wow, you're right. Everything else is farmed. Why do I have a concern about farm fish? And so I, that's been um, a good approach to helping people understand that farming is a way that the human society has put in place to make sure that we have a strong future food security and a, and a current food security. For sure. You know what? I have to start using that when I, I'm in conversation with people from now on. Um, so, Linda, you are such a big advocate for, you know, for for um, encouraging people to consume uh, farmed and RAS uh, produced seafood. How can the RAS sector and the aquaculture's uh, industry specifically also help organizations such as the SMP in earning the trust of skeptical consumers um, or just consumers in general? Yeah, I think one thing that we can do together with RAS and also aquaculture together is to tell our story more often that shares about all the hard work and technology and the people that go into producing farm seafood through, through RAS. Right now, you know, um, when we look at media, Negative, negative news tends to, um, you know, be picked up by the media more often. And uh, in one of our studies that we saw from Johns Hopkins, I think in, in their sociology department, they saw that, you know, media had like four times negative news to positive news for seafood. And so it really is up to all of us to tell our story. We cannot wait for someone else to tell our story. We need to do that today. And so this platform that you have with RAS Talk is perfect because it allows for you and others in, in the sector to tell the story. And I would encourage everyone to support the Eat Seafood America campaign. Use the hashtag Eat Seafood America when you're telling your stories on social media, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, use the hashtag so your conversation can be part of the overall larger conversation about seafood and um, make sure to do that more often. I think oftentimes we rely on the organizations that are at the point of sale to tell the story, but I would encourage everybody along the supply chain to show what you're doing, be transparent, and talk about the best practices that you put in place to bring healthy, sustainable seafood to their table. That's the best that we can do all together. Linda, you've mentioned that your organization is focused on um, the U.S. I was curious what kind of work or collaborators you have on international initiatives. Um, anything specific in the aquaculture or RAS sector? We are you know, coordinating and collaborating with some international organizations on envisioning what seafood can be in the future. And so one of those is the World Economic Forum's Friend of Ocean Action. Um, we currently are part of their Sustainable Aquaculture 2030 initiative. And so this is an initiative to design what it would take to make sure we have enough seafood for everybody globally by 2030 to 2050. And so that's a current initiative that's going on. Um, and so we, um, even though our campaigns are focused in the US, we do um, try and work with the inter international community to provide our thoughts and, and science um, and research to help the overall production of, of seafood um, in the future. 
great, Linda. Well, you know what? You gave us so much great information on how you're educating, you know, Americans and and how, um, you know, as the RAS sector, we can we can help uh, put, bring these initiatives forward and, and help you achieve these goals. So as a final question, I actually am just kind of wondering, uh, what do you see for the future of SMP's involvement in the RAS sector and, and in the aquaculture industry as a whole? Well, I hope the listeners from today's talk will definitely join and collaborate with the Eat Seafood America campaign and that um, you know we continue to work together to build more awareness about what the RAS sector is doing and what the aquaculture industry is doing in a consumer-friendly way. And so I would encourage all of us to look at you know, what we're doing on a day-to-day level and communicate what we're doing with a beginner's eye so that if you were to introduce what you're doing to your neighbor who's not in the seafood industry, to explain it to them in very common terms so that they can begin to appreciate all that goes into creating good food for our communities and the entire country. So that I feel like that's something that we can all work on together. So Linda, um, for folks out there who are listening and uh, want to take a specific action to support the SMP or the Eat Seafood America campaign, what practical action can they do? Can they go to your website? Um, Do you join SMP or or, or on the Eat Seafood America? Uh, How can they become a supporter? That kind of thing. Well, Brian, thank you for that question. So SMP is a charitable nonprofit. And so all of the work that we do is from donations and sponsorships. And so I would encourage you to go to seafoodnutrition.org forward slash donate and make a donation of any amount, you know, anywhere from $100 and up uh, helps our cause. And if you are interested in sponsorships, there are sponsorship brochures available that um, are on our website on the donate page as well. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting the formation of a National Seafood Council, please contact me. I'm on the website and um, we'd invite you to join the National Seafood Council Task Force, where we are working together with other industry members to pull together our greatest thoughts and ideas and smarts to bring this idea of a National Seafood Council um, to reality. So those are some ways, um, but yeah, feel free to reach out to me. My email is on the website at seafoodnutrition.org. Yeah, and, and for, you know, the uh, sales, marketing, and, you know, the farming uh, folks out there, um, you know, we, we need a campaign like this and Eat Seafood America and this National Seafood Council that uh, SMP is incubating. So, um, you know, if you have ideas about this, please reach out to Linda this is the kind of thing we need to do to, uh, of course, you know, increase seafood consumption and overall public health and promote uh, aquaculture writ large. So Linda, uh, thank you so much for being a guest. Yes, Linda, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It was a, it was a pleasure speaking to you and, and hearing all the knowledge you have. We really do appreciate it and wish you luck with your future endeavors and, uh, and the SMP. So for our listeners, don't forget that you can catch up on the latest episodes of Raz Talk by visiting raztechmagazine.com. And until next time, be well. This podcast is sponsored by Inova Sea. Inova Sea, aquatic solutions built for life.